The 2010 Verizon Business Data Breach Investigations Report is out. What are the headlines? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today with Wade Baker, Director of Risk Intelligence with Verizon Business and the primary author of this report. Wade, thanks so much for joining me. Hey, I'm glad to be here. So this is the long-awaited report of the year. It's something that people very much look forward to each year. What would you say are the top headlines of this year's breach investigations report? So undoubtedly the top headline is that we're working with the Secret Service on this one. Um, it's a, a really excellent chance to get a wider anger, angle lens, if you will, on the world of data breaches. So that uh, really, really changed a lot of things and allowed new perspectives and insights. So that's a top headline. But sort of inside that, there's uh, things that we've seen, attacks that we've never seen before, you know, a lot more uh, ability to look at insider attacks than we have in the past, some new attacks that even affect consumers in certain ways like uh, tampering of ATMs and skimming devices and those kind of things that Verizon typically hasn't, hasn't investigated in the past. So big headline stuff is... Uh, new information, new data set, which allows us to, to really better understand the world. Well, let's talk about the U.S. Secret Service. What do they bring to this project, and how does that influence the findings this year? So a lot of people are not really familiar. They have questions about what exactly the Secret Service's role is in respect to data breaches. And and you know it, it, it's quite interesting how this relationship developed. We we often work with them uh, at some point during a case. So Verizon will be called in to investigate and do forensic analysis. And then if we find evidence that a crime was committed, many times the Secret Service will pick up the investigation from that point on and take it through to prosecution and arrest and conviction of whoever was behind the breach. So we've had a, a working relationship there. But Secret Service is one of their callings, in addition to protecting the, the president, is to protect the financial um, system of the United States. And, of course, that started 100 years ago, a little over 100 years ago, and counterfeiting and fraud and all of those kind of things in the physical world. And just as we've gone along, that's moved to the cyber world. So that's, that's why they're involved and what they bring. Uh, I mentioned before that they bring a new perspective Verizon and the Secret Service work some of the same cases, but also have a pretty different caseload when you look at it. And that's a, that's a good thing when we're really trying to, to, again, understand how data breaches really work. You know, we don't want to be locked into our own little part of the world and, and, and bias and all of those kind of things. So it's really good opportunity for that. And, you know, it's a very, very new – there are things that the Secret Service brings to this study that uh, Verizon just – couldn't do. So in other words, uh, they do. They offer some appendices in the back of this report where they talk about um, the cyber underground and, and as they go and infiltrate and try to root out cybercrime, how, how those institutions work and how online collaboration among criminals work. And they even have a case study about prosecuting cybercrime. So uh, all of that is very new and very interesting, we feel. Well, wait, as I glance through the, uh, the report, the thing that jumped out to me were the statistics about external hacks being down this year compared to last year and insider crimes being up. What's the story behind those numbers? So, yeah, those are always numbers that uh, generate a lot of discussion and even debate when, when this report comes out because people have a, just a lot of uh, 
long-held beliefs about how how uh, data breaches should work. You know, there's uh, a an 80/20 rule or 80% myth that's uh, lived a long time in our industry that says 80% of all breaches are due to insiders. Uh, and you know, we've traditionally shown almost the opposite of that, where 80% of what we find, the breaches that we investigate, are due to outsiders, and about 20% are due to insiders. Uh, and just like you've mentioned, that's changed uh, this year. This year is about 70% external, so not a huge drop, but still a drop. Uh, and almost 50% of the breaches that were investigated by Verizon and the Secret Service in 2009 were attributed to insiders. So that's a, that's a pretty big change. And there are lots of reasons for that. We can get into that uh, in a little bit. But uh, those are some headliner stats. And I'll just also mention that our third category, when we're really talking about who is behind breaches, we have external, internal, and partner. Uh, and partner is also down. Uh, it, for the past couple years, we've been showing breaches attributed to partners declining a bit. And there's, that's a pretty interesting statistic. You know, I don't know if we're better prepared, if there's more awareness among organizations about third-party risks. Uh, it could just be a fluke <laughs> of the statistics, but uh, it's interesting to see that over time. But the insider thing is, is really interesting. I imagine there will be a lot of talk about it. It's definitely something to do with the Secret Service's caseload, though. I mean, that's, that's very clear. We have a chart in the report that shows just Verizon's uh, historical trend for that, and we're still at the 20% mark uh, in our caseload. Very, very flat trend. Um, so the change that you're seeing there is, is directly the result of adding in uh, all of those Secret Service cases. When you look at these insider breaches, Wade, what's your sense about how many of them would be malicious intent, that someone means to commit a crime, versus accidental where somebody loses a laptop or there's some sort of, a, of an accidental data loss? So almost everything in this report is deliberate and malicious attempt. We, we attempt to dig those details out when we're doing it because, of course, insiders can commit an error that leads to a data breach. And there's all kind of classification things that we do and rules that we set up about how we, how we classify these things. So I'll just make it clear that almost every single breach at some point has an insider that did something um, by accident or forgot to do something or misconfigured a device or something of that nature that um, facilitated or led to or contributed to the breach, but we don't really consider those insider events because the insider wasn't the, the perpetrator or the real threat agent. Um, so uh, that, that the statistics that we've been talking about are when the insider really is, and almost all of those are, are when they act deliberate, uh, deliberately. And a few of them are uh, what we call inappropriate. So the insider didn't deliberately attack systems with the intent to steal data, um, but they knew they were breaking policy and maybe they just decided that it was more convenient to behave in this manner or to skirt this policy or to avoid this procedure in a different way. And, you know, we have policies for a reason and those things can facilitate or help lead to breaches in various ways, whether it's uh, downloading malware because you've been visiting internet sites that you shouldn't, or you know, opening opening attachments because you're using corporate email to communicate with non-corporate people for non-corporate purposes. All, all of those kinds of things. So, in terms of how organizations are breached, you talked up front about some of the trends. What are you seeing that's new? 
So uh, very new again uh, related to the Secret Service statistics is that uh, for the first time since we've done this study, uh, our threat action category of misuse is the most common method of breaching data. So we have seven categories, if you're familiar with these reports. Of, we, call, we call them threat action categories, but it's malware, hacking, social, misuse, physical, error, and environmental. Um, and that just separates major distinctions of, of the actions or, or what people are doing. And, and misuse is anything that involves uh, privilege misuse, abuse of your access that you have to IT resources, or just uh, anyone that, uh, that chooses to misuse or abuse what the organization has given them sort of falls under that large misuse umbrella. And again, that's, that's number one this year, which is a significant change. We've always shown that malware and hacking were sort of the leading uh, action types. Um, which is, you know, there are many reasons for that. Again, Secret Service data is the, is the primary reason that we see that, and it's linked to the insiders, right, because insiders are the ones that have privileges, so it makes sense that if the uh, percentage of insiders grows, then the percentage of misuse would, would grow as well. Um, but I, I would like to say that it's, it's quite interesting. We do a little bit of talk about this in the report, especially since we're, we're talking financial services here. Uh, a couple of years ago, we published the 2008 Supplemental uh, Data Breach Report, and in that, we showed statistics specific to financial services and retail and food and beverage and tech services, just to kind of show how these trends are very different among these different uh, um, industries. And in that report, it actually showed that social and misuse and those kind of categories were higher for financial services. Um, so it's not the first time we've ever seen data that shows that hacking and malware aren't the, you know, the number one uh, threats against organizations. It really is dependent on the types of organizations uh, that we're talking about. And this year's sample happens to be um, heavily weighted toward financial services. When you look at the verticals that are covered in this, in this report, how do they compare and where do you see the most vulnerabilities? I wonder, for instance, about healthcare, which now has new uh, reporting regulations and requirements. Yep, uh, that's a good question. So this is the, the first report where there's just a, a clear um, um, move in the direction of, of financial services. If you go back two years ago, retail was far and above more common in our caseload than anything else. Um, and then last year, financial services was number one, but it was neck and neck with, with retail. They were both at around 30% and give or take 1% of each other. And this year, uh, if you look at the demographic distribution, um, uh, financial services is, is pretty far ahead of others. And th there's several reasons for that. Uh, I don't know if you can draw a conclusion that, well, financial services are much more susceptible to data breaches than any other type of organization. Um, because I would argue, actually, that they're not as susceptible. It's just that they have data that the criminals really, really, really want. Uh, and the criminals know that. And so they're, they're more targeted and more sought after than, say, a retail organization. Um, and while it doesn't always hold true, uh, it, it seems to the, the data seems to suggest that um, you know the the retail and restaurant and hospitality industry breaches 
are usually more opportunistic in nature. In other words, they find a vulnerability or they know exactly how to uh, crack that certain uh, point-of-sale system. And, and that's the way the criminals uh, work against those. Whereas in financial services, a lot of time it's a more of a premeditated, selected, targeted type of attack, and you know, which really has a lot to do with the reason that financial services, when you look at the overall amount of compromised records, we had 143 million um, records compromised in 2009. Um, 85%, somewhere around there, of all of those 143 million records were attributed to financial services. So they, they were responsible for a large majority of data loss in this sample. Based on your experience, and particularly from the last couple of years, Wade, where do you see that organizations have improved in detecting and deterring these breaches? <laughs> That's a tough question because, quite honestly, it's, it's difficult to see where there's been improvement. Um, uh, sometimes I have to remind myself that, that in this study we're only looking at the organizations that have suffered a breach. So. Um, the rest of the world could be really, really good and not have any problem and detect breaches immediately uh, and, and all of that kind of stuff, but we just don't see it. So I, I tend to get pessimistic, especially about detection and discovery, um, just because I'm always looking at, at these sort of post-mortem analysis. But uh, just looking at that, because that's important, that really does tell us a lot about um, what we need to be looking out for. There's really not a lot of improvement. Um, we have always shown that breaches take a very long time to discover. Uh, victims usually don't discover those for months or so after they happen. Um, and whereas it's slightly faster this time, uh, it's really almost the same. If you look at those charts, they're going to look very similar to how they have in the past. And I find that quite amazing because I've always wondered and people have always asked, hey, is this just a Verizon caseload thing? You know, are things really this bad? Is this just because you guys investigate some nasty breaches and, and this really isn't indicative of, of uh, organizations as, as a whole? Um, but now we have all of a sudden the ability to analyze Secret Service data and their statistics show the exact same thing. So I find that really, really compelling. Uh, and it just, again, shows that we've got a lot of work to do in the detection realm. And I'll just add that it's, Similar, again, in, in how organizations come to detect or discover breaches, it's still a third party that tells them uh, they don't usually find it themselves. The things that we put in place, like intrusion detection and log analysis, we're not using those things to their fullest capability. Um, really got a lot of work there. So when you look ahead toward the end of the, the remainder of this year and going into 2011, where do organizations and consumers, as you mentioned, need to be doing a better job to detect and deter these threats? So the answer to that question is one that a, a lot of people don't really find all that interesting or compelling because it's a boring answer. Uh, we need to be doing the things that we know we should be doing, the things that we've had in place, the things that are already in our policies. Uh, if we really, really, really spent time making sure that we do those security basics 101 kind of stuff, uh, many of these attacks that we discussed throughout this report would not be successful. Or if they were successful, the criminal would have to look, work a lot harder than they're having to work uh, in, in what we see. So that's a boring answer because people want an answer like, oh, go out and buy this you know, newfangled um, 
solve all your problems kind of technology, that's really an incorrect answer. I mean, time and time again, I'm always reminded that security is very much like quality management, where uh, we need to get better at processes that, that maintain, that control, that reduce variations from what we want to happen, uh, and that leads to a success, more successful and healthy program. Um, but aside from that, uh, there are some specific things. You know, the, the insider statistic, we got a, a chance to really focus in on that uh, in this report and see a lot more of how those work than we have in the past. So we have a few recommendations on that. Um, most of these organizations granted insiders way more privileges than they needed to perform their daily job duties. And that just seems to be endemic of, of all organizations. You know, you sign them up, you give them admin privileges, and you send them on their way. Uh, and I'm really hoping that we get away from that uh, and go back to, well, okay, you have this job role, you need to do these things. What are the appropriate levels of, of uh, permissions for you to do those things? Uh, and then also monitoring insiders. You know, we, we would prefer to trust our insiders and just assume that they're going to abide by the rules and, and be good citizens and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and we think monitoring is, is distrustful and mean and that kind of thing. But, you know, uh, uh, knowing when, especially privileged insiders, exercise their privileges and what they're doing and recording those things in logs and, and stating in our policies that X and Y will not be tolerated or else, and all of those kind of things are, are you know, necessary, uh, and, and we think they would be, would really help some of this situation. Uh, and uh, in, in addition to that, there was quite an interesting uh, trend, and I, I really would like to see if, if others have, have seen something similar, but on the insiders that committed these malicious, deliberate uh, types of attacks against, uh, against their employers, Many of them had kind of a, a, a bad history, uh, not necessarily of deliberate malicious attacks, but sort of minor policy violations and just had shown evidence that um, they didn't really want to cooperate and they would uh, break policy and do other things like that in their past. Uh, so we have a little bit in this report about, hey, how those things might be an indicator of something worse to come. Um, so that's another recommendation. We, we cover... Uh, again, uh, we've made many recommendations in the previous report, and we don't retread those grounds, but they're still very, 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 very applicable, so we'd refer to those. But in this report, we make a few more, especially about monitoring um, egress filtering, so data and traffic going out of your network. We do a very good job of hardening our, our external and watching incoming traffic and blocking that, but we kind of forget that, hey, Sensitive things can go out of our network to other places. Uh, in this report, we talk a lot about malware and how it works and the fact that once malware is installed in an organization, it's communicating with the outside world and opening doors for criminals to go in and out and all of these kind of things. And uh, it it's really points to the fact that we need to be more aware of what's going out of our networks as well as in. So several recommendations like that. Uh, that we cover in this report that we really think uh, will help, um, you know, others avo avoid uh, what we see uh, among these organizations. Well, Wade, thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today about the report. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Love talking about it. We've been talking about the Verizon Business Data Breach Investigations Report. We've been talking with Wade Baker with Verizon Business. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.